This is your host, Sam Jarocki from J-Rock Lawn Care and Gardening. Speaking about all things lawn care, garden related and business wise, whether you do this at home for a bit of fun or if you're trying to break into the business, sit tight and enjoy the podcast. Hello everyone and welcome back to another J-Rock's Lawn Care Gardening podcast. Here we are on this week's episode number 74. This time we are are blessed with the presence of Scott from Scott Elwood Gardening and formerly known as SE Landscaping on YouTube that those have followed him before. And this episode is titled All Things Commercial. So on this episode, we're really hoping to dive into the mind of Scott that's had many years of experience within the commercial sectors. And we can basically just find out more of information because I know this is a hot topic for many people. Scott, thank you very much for joining us on this evening's podcast. Thanks for having me, Sam. It's good to finally get on. Yeah, definitely. I, I think we spoke about it a good while ago that you are keen to get on. And I think, you know, personally speaking, this year, the last 12 months following all of your stuff that you've done on, on YouTube has been such a massive help for me. And I know a lot of other people get in touch with you as well. So, I'm sure this is going to be extremely beneficial for a lot of people. Yes, I've been getting some good feedback, like I say, when it, especially when you go to the trade events and you meet new people and these sort of businesses sort of being built on on things that have they've noticed on the channel or things they've introduced when they've watched YouTube and things, ideas they wouldn't have thought of. So if it can just help one person, which I know it has, and it's helped sort of lots of people, and that's all it's my aim, really. Yeah, definitely. Is that the big thing behind why you start the channel to to sort of get your experience out there? Was it, or did you have different motives behind it? Started off. I, st- I started watching YouTube gardening just in in the winter one year when you sort of have nothing else to do. Yeah. And I started watching. There wasn't many channels around, and I was watching two or three guys, and I thought, hmm. I was watching their early videos. And one that springs to mind is a is a guy from Liverpool, LHL Lee. Yeah, yeah. He, his earlier videos, he was he would say he's very nervous when he was doing them, and then he sort of come into himself and he's built a good channel up. Um, and that was how my first ones. I thought I'll put a few videos up, and it, it was it was very nervous, sort of filming yourself as you probably yeah yeah feel as well. So it came across as that, and then sort of got a hundred watches and it was like oh well i'm happy with that if i can get to a thousand it'll be great and then it sort of it just keeps going from there so then it was more I started just to do a few videos and then i thought i've got a lot of knowledge of the industry and people start to ask questions and drop me emails and things and mm-hmm. went from there really and it's three or four guys i do have regular day-to-day contact with to be honest who are sort of building businesses really yeah, so, yeah. It's mad that, isn't it? You can be from, I mean, unless you're just wired differently, but everyone said the same thing about felt like videoing themselves doing things outdoors is that it is nerve wracking. And I think you can be from any, more or less any walk of life, but as soon as you stick a camera in your face and you're, you're speaking into a camera outdoors, it just does something, doesn't it? Where it just, it's, uh, it's unnatural. It is strange, and initially, some of my first videos, I was doing them in cemeteries and things out where because it was sort of nervous. Whereas now, if I'm in the public space, I don't mind doing a video walking past and the cameras there. In the early days, it was like, oh, really? I don't really want anybody to to see me doing this. Yeah. So 
it's it's the same when you walk around Saltex. The first year I walked around Saltex with the uh, GoPro, it's like you're a bit nervous and everybody's like looking at you with a camera. And, <laughs> yeah. And then you realise everybody's doing it. So yeah. It does it just takes a bit of time to build up, I suppose. Eh? But uh, no, it, it's interesting to know that. And I think for anyone that is maybe a, a bit stopped about creating content, if you feel like you can you know, put something out there and, and help someone. I think that might be the factor that gets you over it is when you start getting them messages in from people saying, oh, look, you know, Scott, this this really helped me X, Y, Z. You know, that then you're like, oh, it's it's worth it. Like you're saying, you know, if it can help one person, then then that's it. You know, you're, you're doing a decent job online. So I think that's maybe the hurdle to get over is, you know, just getting started with the whole content side of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's you're like a consultant, really, but you're not getting paid for it. And that's, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's some of the comments I've had. You should be charging for these, but it's not like that. You're trying to you're trying to help people in an industry get off the ground. And some of these guys have a battered old van and a hundred pound more, and, and not much else. And you're trying to point them in the direction where they can have a new van and they can have a new more and they can build a business. And and that's the key. And and I don't really want to mention anybody's name because I don't really want to put them on the spot there was a guy I was helping out from Yorkshire he's built up a really good business recently and um, hopefully one day I'll mention him on on YouTube uh, of his journey but it's uh, I've helped him a lot and just he didn't know how to go to clients he didn't know how to build business he didn't know how to um, when he was when he was with clients he's he's built it through councils and things Mm -hmm. and he didn't know how to approach people he didn't know costs for jobs and he, he was sending me videos of sites and things um, and I was talking him through things and we were back and forth, back and forth and he's he's built some good work and he's, he's you know, lots of work now. Yeah. Um, and he's just fresh to the industry really, so, yeah. Well, it can it can really do a lot for you then, can't it? I think that's the main thing about it. Um, well, Scott, because this, this podcast is primarily about you i, I want to keep it on you here keep the pressure on <laughs> um can we just start off by asking you sort of how you got started in the commercial scene or even in this business at all and also how you would approach getting into the commercial scene um for anyone that may be starting whether that's like sort of the advertising side or you know however you may go about it yeah I mean, it all started. I left school in 1995, 96. I went to college and did a VQ in computer programming. And while I was doing that, I wasn't getting any money. So the choice was, do I keep going to college and with nothing, or do I do what my, all my friends are doing and get apprenticeships and things? So I went on a training scheme at a local landscaping company for £30 a week. And that led to something that sort of got interested in. I started to enjoy what I was doing. Um, and it was a company, it was one of the biggest companies in the Northeast at the time. We had sort of 60 staff. And me and another guy who started on the same day, I don't want to be disrespectful to the trade. A lot of the guys who I was working with and who were above me at the time, the weren't weren't the friends of Britain, um, just to put yeah. it bluntly, but they, they were nice guys, but advanced through the company quite quickly. The boss sort of saw something in me and put me through a lot of training, put me through a lot of courses. And five years down the line, I was a 
sort of team leader. Nice. And that led on to contract supervisor. Of course, the boss of the company decided to take a back seat. There was a couple of brothers around the business. And that led to me being a contract supervisor and having sort of six to eight staff um, under, under me on jobs. Um, and you'd go out and with your team and you'd set them away on sites. And sometimes you'd have a massive site. So, for instance, we did a job in Newcastle. It was for the HMRC. The site was sort of about half a mile by half a mile buildings. And we were landscaping it. And we were on site full time, and I had 68 guys, and I'd have one doing some planting in one section, one doing some um, seeding in another section. And it was sort of just managing, but you were learning all the time on the job because it's not as if I had a business degree or anything. So I was just going at a lot of things with experience. And what I found is that as I advanced from an apprentice, I was watching everyone, I was taking in all the knowledge. I find by doing that, just reading people and asking them questions, oh, what are you doing there? How are you, how are you measuring this out? You skill and drones and things. Just mm-hmm. asking people constantly and just taking everything in. And I think that's that's how I got got a fast track really through the company is because I was sort of taking everything in, whereas other people were just happy to come in and take the wages and go home. So. Yeah. Unfortunately, the company um, decided they were making millions of pounds. It, it, it was a massive company, and they decided they were going to property boom when the recession hit in 2005, and they had four million pounds worth of property they couldn't sell. And overnight, a week before Christmas, um, closed them down, closed every business they had. Wow. Receivers came in, they got us all in the yard, all staff and everything and said right the vans stay here because we all had company vans and things so the vans stay here get your equipment and go home and you'll get a letter from the liquidators oh and that was rough that was that that was brutal um went home in tears because it was something that it was the only place i'd ever worked so it was it was a tough and week before Christmas, we had a child on the way and hadn't long had a mortgage. So you can imagine it was tight. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So what I did was I sat down with my wife and, and if you go to another landscaping company, yes, you've got experience. You're not going to start where you were at the top. They're going to bang you in the middle somewhere. They're going to bang you back on site. Mm-hmm. because there wasn't many big companies in the northeast so it was the choice of moving down the ladder setting up on my own and i made three or four phone calls to people who i had jobs with on sites so contract supervisors uh, estimators and one of them for balfour beauty civil engineer and who i had a really good relationship with he said if you can come back after christmas with all the documents he says we'll give you a chance he said we don't usually do this we don't usually take one-man bands on, take companies on with turnover. We take companies on where we can see their accounts and everything. They're mm-hmm. not a risk. And he gave me a £150,000 job, which <laughs> was a bit of a shock. Yeah. Because this this was part of the £300,000 job that I was finishing for existing for my old company. 
So um, I knew I was getting eleven thousand pound redundancy. It wasn't coming till March because it takes twelve uh, twelve weeks to get redundancy. So my dad um, gave me a bit of an advance so that I could go and buy pants because what happens is when you set up a business now I've got accounts everywhere I've got accounts with fuel and I pay that monthly and um, if I want pants they'll send me a bill after 30 days mm-hmm. problem was I was going to a pants supplier who didn't know me new company day one they want cash up front right and the first delivery is going to cost you £20,000 <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just one or two plants it's hundreds and hundreds of plants and bare root stock and trees so um obviously my dad paid for some of the some of the stock and then speaking to this guy and explaining to him the situation he gave me a bit of leeway so that was the first hurdle the second hurdle was balfour bdp on 90 day right so I need plants the next month, but I'm not being paid for 90 days. So well, you can see quite easily, I could have been in a lot of debt and out of business quite quickly. So I took to getting a load of leaflets done. And the night I was coming home from work at four o'clock and I was going putting leaflets out around the doors, customers, hedge work and everything else. And basically... I was going out doing jobs on a weekend after I've been on sites, commercial sites the other day. I was going out on jobs on a weekend to bring some cash in. Right. To try and top the bank up, pay for fuel, pay for everything else I needed. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, I was just going to say what's, what's crazy because I think a lot of people don't quite know that that commercial um, clients they don't often pay you, you know, tw- within 24 hours. Yeah. It is often quite a wait before you get them. So to to yeah. be, it sounds like you are um, against the gun in the stands from the off, more or less, because you had this awesome opportunity, you know, on the go of being 150 grand contract, but you had none of the, the back end in the company to be able to, you know, facilitate it up front. Um, can yeah, I just ask yeah. when it when it came to that, was it kind of just I'll deal with this one step at a time as it comes, or did you kind of sit down in the very beginning going, I know these are going to be my list of problems, you know, I'll try and prepare for them in this way, that way, or was it literally just as they come, I'll I'll just face them then. Pretty much, yeah. You can't plan anything. It's a lot of sleepless nights. Um, I mean, it's it's a, it's a matter of the other problem with Alpha Beatty is when 90 days comes and you go to the bank and there's no money in, you ring Edinburgh, which is their accounts department, and they tell you that you can't find your invoice. <laughs> so, and this this and this is how big companies put small companies out of business, and this is what the government's trying to clamp down on. So I was ringing them up, and then I was it was like little tennis. I was going back to the QS and saying, look, Alan, I don't, don't get a payment this week. I don't work anymore i can't work for you and he managed to negotiate and get me money in the bank pay keep me going because it was for their best interest as well because he needed to finish this job yeah but if he wasn't as understanding he could have just could have just put the phone down and said well 
need to deal with accountants. But that's the problem, and that's that's why I don't work for companies like this anymore now because I know how they work. Phone them up after three months. They can't find their invoice. They can find it if they desperately need you, and they find the invoice. But you're just another pawn on that pile of invoices they've got. And if one or two companies go out of business, they don't have to pay. And yeah. that's what they that, that's what they see. You just you're just another number. So it did work. It did work out in the end. It wasn't ideal. Like I say, I was on the phone constantly day after day, um, trying to get payment, and the job did work out. I got paid. I made some really good money off it. Um, and in the meantime, sort of, I was picking up commercial work. I was advertising, I was putting leaflets through. I was putting letters out to people local because it was that time of year. I started in the January and sort of by the March, people were looking for work. So it wasn't an easy start, like I say, but it come good after that. And, and I started uh, I started to do customers throughout that first year. How how was um that, that first job then? How long was that contract? Like how long was it contracted for? Did I have a time frame? It, it was, initially it was running for a year. So what happens is they'd finish a car park or a building and then they'd hand over to time makers and they would hand over to gardeners right so we, we we were the last in um it was dribs and drabs so they might say right we need four thousand plants put in these beds in march and we need you to come back in july and do some seeding and it was ongoing like that in the meantime i had to maintain the site as well because once once the client gets practical completion there's a maintenance plan so I'd maintain the site for two years after the last plant went in. But while we were still planting, I was still maintaining everything as well. So it okay. worked out quite well. It worked out as a, de- as a decent contract. But when the last plant went in, maintain the site for two years. Then after the two years, what happens is the architect comes out, walk around the site, and any dead plants and trees they find, then they have to be replanted for practical completion. Okay. So, so that's that's how you that's how you finish a job, um, and then you get the extras on top. So, for instance, Mrs. Jones was driving a car the night in the car park, and she's run over um, a bed of plants. So, yes, we can we can replant that, and can you do this? And this needs altering because of the visibility or something, and it wasn't a good idea at the time, but we did it. Um, so that's on the that's on the architect. So they have to come up with money to alter the site. So in the end, I was on site for about three and a half years from the first day. Okay. And was that purely yourself, or did you have subcontractors in and in everything no, else? No. How I worked it is the first year I plodded on on my own for a while, and then I managed to take a guy on just part time. Okay. And that led to full time because by the middle of that year, the commercial work was was really starting to take off. Um, I hadn't touched councils, which is my bread and butter now. I hadn't touched councils, and it was mainly in the commercial sites. And I'll be truthful with you, like I was just going after everything. Yeah. If I saw if I saw somebody doing a crap job, I was knocking down the door. I was saying <laughs> I can do a better job than them. I was even going to clients and asking what you're paying and saying, beat it. 
some of that was just turnover. Some of that, mm-hmm. some of that work would just make me money because I had money coming in. I wasn't worried about making profits then. It was just getting my name out there, doing good work. And then, obviously, after that, then you can build on things. That's when I've put things in practice now, for instance, where I've explained on some videos, if I've got a commercial site, I want to know what my competitors are doing. If I've got a really good customer who I know, you're more like friends with than customers. I will get him at the start of the year, phone or email four local people, send the details of the site, he drops me the prices. And I call it market research. Someone else might (laughs) call it something different, but it's market research. At the end of the day, Tesco go on all these websites and see what the peanuts are selling for. That's exactly the same as I'm doing. Yeah. So that's then you get you get these the people in with the prices. Then what you can do is you can you know they're looking after X site on the road, and you know that that site's full of grassed area and it's got two trees similar to yours. So you know if you're getting fifty pound for this site, they're charging probably about one hundred and five. That's when the, you drop the letter explaining that you can be very hard, hard with commercial and you can actually send them a letter that they're going to want to hear. So you can send a letter saying introduce yourself and if you're interested, drop me a message. Or you can send a letter saying, I've already had a look at your site. I'll be happy to come and do it for £90 per visit. If they're looking at that and thinking, well, we're paying 105 or 115 per visit and over the course of a year, that's a couple hundred pound. Mm-hmm. If you've got some good accountants, then those are the people who ring you back and say, "We'll give you, we'll give you a shot." Yeah. And so, do you do you think commercial is very much a race to the lower price, or do you think there is still scope there within the industry that they will go? You know, let's say they get five quotes through, they'll go for the guy in the middle. You know what I mean? Is it a mixture between reputation and price? There's two, there's two types of customers with commercial. There's the bottom line who wanted them for nothing. Then you've got your, your sites, you've got your blue chip companies with money. I look after a company called Sabic. They're a petrochemicals company. They, they're all over the world, basically. They're a massive company. Right. Their health and safety is, when you go on the site, everything from risk assessment, sign in, you have toolbox talks every visit. It's not just the first visit. Um, they have all these clean areas and stuff, and health and safety is at the fore of everything they do. They just chuck money at everything. Right. They want a perfect site. And customers like that will pay a, a premium for the service you provide. Right. So there's two, like I say, there's two types of customers. There's the ones who just we need this tidy so we don't get grief off the council. That means sometimes plowing through grass every three weeks. And you've got your, your good high-end customers. Originally, I would take on anything because that's how we build a business. So I'll come and cut your grass on a monthly basis if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. I'll come and cut your grass on a fortnightly basis or a weekly basis, whatever you want. Those are the clients that once you build a business, you need to sift out because you've got to realise that doing that job somebody's watching you they don't know you're just supposed to be there monthly you could think oh that guy over there making a mess in that grass yeah he hasn't been for a month they don't know that that's your specification 
he might think he's running behind. He, he doesn't care about that customer. Yeah. So it's, it's trying to sift them out after a while. But in the early days, I, I would advise anybody to take on anything they can get. Yeah, I think building it up, it's got to be that way, isn't it? That you need to get your own experience out there or built up, sorry, and then get your name out there. And there's not really much better way than doing that than literally piling the work, is there? Um, no, no, definitely not. No. It, it's one big thing I've said for 2023 is that kind of a lot of what you're talking about here is a lot of what I'm going to be doing, Put trying to push more into the commercial sector is just knocking on doors and regardless what type of site it is just offering yeah. it to them all and um but yeah i completely understand that as well you need to have it also in the pipeline that right at some point what is my business model you know you need to know what you're actually still aiming for and at some point this might not be a long-term site this could just be a stepping stone onto you know this type of site or for this type of work and i, th- I think people still need to have that in the back of their heads that this is what the main aim is, but I need to do whatever I can just to get there, you know, in the beginning. And, yeah. you know, it, it seems a, the best best way I've been able to come up with anyway or being able to see it as. And it, it sounds like that through your experience as well. So now do you do you very much take the pick of the litter, so to speak, of the jobs that come through? I know that you've really dialed down over the last two years on, you know, employees and the types of jobs that you take on. Yeah, I mean, every everybody's seen the journey I've had with employees and things, and, and I'm not alone. Employees are the hardest thing in business. I used to think getting work was the hardest, but it's not. And was just, this last year has been sort of the final one. I said last year that I would downsize, and I never. <laughs> and this year started so bad that I said, right. And I've actually sent a lot of customers letters already. Um, and a lot of them is disappointed they, they don't want me to go but they understand why mm-hmm. so I am downsizing but I'm actually keeping really good work I've got and I can still make the same profit profit that I've got um, and that's because things have gone up slightly over the last few years on, on jobs and things one or two of the ones I've let go weren't worth a fortune they, they were sort of long-term customers who you've had for sort of 10, 12 years. So I'm still able to the turnover dropped slightly. Profits actually still going to be the same. I've got long-term. I've tied a lot of customers in the long-term further jobs. Okay. Just to protect protect my sort of protect the next three to five years really. So just just by extending some contracts as well because you've people have got to realise you don't have to let a contract run out, the tender run out. You can negotiate with them in the meantime and say, look, you're happy with what we do and if you say yes, just say if you're happy. Because council send the tender out sometimes costs them up to ten thousand pounds, believe it or not. Oh really? Putting an advertisement in a local paper's five hundred pounds for instance. By the time you go down an e-source and thing on the internet, so these e-tenders can cost anywhere between one and three thousand pound. Right. And then all the admin afterwards, so that could be ten thousand pound. Contract might only be worth twenty. So straight away they've spent thirty thousand. Well, and that's something I want to dig into a bit more with you is finding these types of contracts and 
where you look at for them. Um, one big thing for it that I know for my side, so anyone in Scotland, one of the main ones is Public Contract Scotland, where you can yeah, look yeah. at tenders. For England, what's the sort of websites or where are you looking for tenders? Well, it's, it's, it's the same again. The government, if you log on to the government sites in England, the government has a procurement site the same. There's also one in Wales as well. Um, if I remember rightly, it's Sell uh, to Wales, I believe. Okay. So they're, they're all pretty much the same. The procurement's got them on. The government's one in England, if you type in um, government tenders. And they like contract finders. Um, I'm just pulling it up actually while I'm talking here. And it's uh, contract finders. That's the English one. But you find their councils have to have the councils and large companies have to advertise anything over, I believe, five or ten thousand pounds on these sites. Yeah. Smaller jobs that fall under the radar are the ones where it's quite funny because if a council has someone they like, what they'll do is they'll put a, the smallest ad possible in the local paper. <laughs> they take a legal box say they've advertised it and that could be a Saturday morning just in the local paper just one line grounds maintenance tender because right. they don't want anybody else so it's actually finding them and what I used to do I used to I used to buy all the local papers every every week and um, to check for tenders I used to go on Google and type in every search possible so I would type in grounds maintenance tenders 2019 County Durham Grounds maintenance contracts 2019. I would spend the night just going through, and you'd be surprised what pops up. And some older things sometimes pop up in the search when you're mentioning County Durham. So yeah. you'll log on and it'll say, Oh, tender was up in 2017. It was five years. So straight in my notebook, I write down that in 2022, that contract's up for renewal and I'm going to be contacting them. So it's about putting the diary of, of these jobs. It's also writing down afterwards on these contract sites, as you've probably seen, it'll give you a value of what the job was worth. Yeah. So the job might have been worth £100,000 three years ago. So you've got a rough idea that in three years, when that goes out again, it's going to be worth 120 k So you know when it's coming out, you can go, you can find the site, you can put your, you can put your tender in and you can look at the job and, then you can go and hopefully, if you're lucky, you can you can get a you can get a large large contract out of it. Yeah, it's just a matter of finding all these ways and all these little loopholes and like I say, looking through your local paper, Google everything everything possible really. Every but the means. internet's the internet's brought made it so much easier. Years ago, you you got lots of tenders through the post and everything was postal whereas now everything's online and someone can throw your tender within a day now whereas it might have been a week to actually get a document and you might have missed the deadline and so it, the internet is good for things like that it gives you more time to find these things yeah absolutely right scott if we just take a quick break now just for the ad and we will be back with everyone in just a couple of minutes this episode is brought to you by total loan Total Loan provides scientifically engineered loan care products to homeowners, hobbyists and loan care professionals. Their range of fertilisers and biostimulants will keep your loan looking lush, green and moss-free all year round. 
I use Total Loan products for my customers and on my own loan, and I think you should too. The team at Total Loan put quality above anything else when they're producing their loan feeds. They use ingredients that are rarely, if ever, used by their competitors to give you the best loan possible. Try Total Loan today at totalloan.co.uk and use code Care at the checkout to receive 10% off your whole order. Total Loan are so confident in their products that you can use them on your loan and if you're not happy with the results, you can get in touch with them up to 90 days later for a full refund. Go to totalloan.co.uk and transform your loan. Welcome back everyone after that little ad break there. So previously what we were talking about is then finding and working your way through tenders and where you can find this commercial work. Obviously, Scott, you're saying there that all means now is like the best way possible is looking in all these different locations. But one thing that I've massively noticed while looking through the tenders, more specifically for myself, Public Contract Scotland, is it's to me, it seems very... Uh, it's very alien to use. It doesn't seem very user-friendly for me. Um, could you give any advice on, you know, the kit, like on there, they've got like the keyword searches and things like that. Have you got any tips about actually finding the tenders that suit you across these sort of platforms? I mean, basically, in the search bars, it's just, for me, it's always grounds maintenance or landscaping, and then it's it'll sort of pull up a list of the uh, contract. I think that's the easy thing. I think the daunting thing for sort of small small gardeners and, and landscapers is off by the jargon and the paperwork and the hundred sheets of of, <laughs> yeah. of rubbish for a better word. Because yeah. unfortunately this country is set up where don't think they want small businesses. And a lot of this paperwork to me now is very easy to, to understand and manage. But back in the day, it was like, wow. I know guys to this day who still won't fill tenders out because of all the paperwork. Yeah. So that's the, that's the that's the tricky thing. I don't think it's tricky finding them. I think it's if you type in the correct keywords and things, I think you'll find the contracts and the areas, for your, your geographical areas there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's the actual stuff afterwards that puts a lot of people off. As yeah. soon as these, as no. soon as you go on an e tender, um, and there might be forty pages of health and safety and banking and everything else to fill in, it I, does put a lot of people off. I think that's it. There's a like like you say there, like sort of all the jargon that they have in there is you know you click on some of these and some of them are estimated at let's say like five hundred and sixty four thousand pound. And when you open that up, you go, right, that that must be a pretty, you know, a canny-sized job to to be at that sort of value, you know, for that type of contract. And yeah. when, when, you, when you start reading it through, you realise it seems like there's more, more of the tenders are for very large-scale works. I don't know if I'm right in saying that or whether it's just the ones that are available in my area at the moment. But it doesn't seem to be many that are sitting at, you know, fifty thousand pound valuation and it is just general maintenance of a smaller like medium sized site. It does seem to be a lot of big operations um that, that kind of come through. Have have you found that there's a there tends to be a good mixture or are you literally just on there, you know, in your active days of trying to find tenders, are you just on them sort of sites all the time looking for the newest ones? Oh well, I mean yeah right. 
basically these sites are set up for, for for people who by law such as housing associations and large councils have to have to put them on these sites mm-hmm. you are right in in that the smaller ones such as your, your smaller councils with a couple of thousand pound a year job or your commercial work that's, that's when you have to do the legwork right that's when you have to look at the newspapers that's when you have to knock on doors so these sites are really for the larger landscapers. They're not really for the smaller companies. Mm-hmm. But I came from a large landscape background, and that was why I used to look at these sites, because these these tenders didn't want me. Uh, the tricky thing a lot of people don't realise is if you log on to one of these sites and there's a £200,000 job, the time you get all the paperwork, Usually at the end of all the paperwork, you might have filled 30 pages out and you get to the finance. There's something in the small print to say you do, your turnover needs to be X, three, usually three times the amount of a job or something. Oh, really? So you might have filled 30 pages out <laughs> and then all of a sudden you realise that was a waste of time and I've done that myself. <laughs> right. You've got all the way there and, and you can't tender for it because you don't tick the box. Right. And that's how they get rid of small companies, whereas the government are trying to get small businesses into these spaces now. So they're doing away with a lot of these rules and regulations that are that were there in the past. Yeah. No, it's it seems like it, it does just seem I mean, like many walks of life and many different jobs, it seems like you do just need that foot in the door where you can say that you've worked for reputable reputable housing association or a council whatever it might be so that you can be recommended again you know it just seems like the biggest thing for me does seem to be the legwork it has to be that one of my big aims is that as i was saying earlier on is that i am just going to go knocking on door to door of all the industrial estates and even the schools i'll approach um directly uh, and, and at least have a word with them and just you know introduce myself is sort of my aim with it but it does seem that uh you know you there needs to be a lot more legwork but it's not just given to you it's not just that you know they're going to give you a call one day and that'll be you sorted it does seem to be a lot more graft to to try and get on that conveyor belt of commercial works if that makes sense it, it is i mean it there's lots of ways, and I think um, I think you had Jack from Cut Crew on a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, he was on with John, and he touched on a subject which was BNI, which was a networking organisation that I did in 2014 for a few years. And you quickly learn in business, it's not who, it's not always about um, well, it's not about what you know, it's who you know, mm-hmm. and. I'd approached a hotel for years and years, and I couldn't get in this hotel. I met someone at B&I um, and started to build a relationship with them, an electrician. He said, I could get you in there tomorrow. And I got a contract with this hotel, Just and, and that's the thing. It's You've been sending them letters. You've been sending them brochures for years. You can't get a look in. They won't even speak to you. Yet one person can get you a conversation, and inside three months, you're doing their gardening. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's business. It's sometimes who you know. Shows the power of networking, really, doesn't it? And that it's not something to to shy away from. It's almost essential to be able to be sociable. Um, you know, in a business mind frame, you know, 
be sociable by speaking to different organizations, different tradesmen and different events like this, like the whole BNI. And it's not something I had ever really heard of before seeing a lot of things that Jack then talks about, you know, every other YouTube video, he seems to be in a meeting at one point or another. And yeah, yeah you, you go once a week. It's, I mean, it's, it's not easy. BNI isn't easy because you get up at six o'clock on the morning, you go and get a bacon sandwich. You sit around the table with usually 20 to 30 people. You have a presentation of what you do, so you stand up and explain to the room. But it's all the legwork you've got to do because if there's an electrician and a plumber in that room, in order for them to get your work, you have to get them work. Right. So I was going to my clients and saying, who does the electrics in here? And they would say, oh, well, I've got so-and-so. And I would say, would well, you have a meeting with my guy? So once he, he trusts you, then comes back the other way and hopefully he goes to his customers and gets you in that way. Right. But BNI is, it was very high maintenance. There's, there's a lot more involved than just going to a few meetings. Um, you meet up with colleagues after after BNI as well, um, sort of have these head-to-heads of how you can help each other. So it, it is quite time-consuming, but it worked for me, yes. I think if you, you put in what you get out of it, but it's not for everybody. Yeah, no, I imagine that. Well, another thing that really uh, what made me think a little bit more is the fact of what you also need, like what which is usually essential when going for these commercial like jobs, and that's your things like different insurances. One thing that flags now that we're speaking about Jack is that he mentioned to be on schools they they want you to have ten million pound of public liability. Then obviously have your RAM set up, so your risk assessment and method statements. Is there any sort of information you can give the listeners on on these things that you may not need or that you won't need for domestic properties, but that you definitely should be looking at when going for a commercial client? I mean, most commercial clients will ask for 10 and 5, um, and some will ask for an insurance called professional indemnity as well, which it's more for the building trade but yeah 10 and 5 is standard when you go to an insurance company and you explain your commercial contract well that's pretty much 10 and 5 anyway but okay. it's it's not it's not a huge amount more because you've got to remember that this 10 million pound is if one of your employees dies or something like that this, this huge payout is is for things like that or if you if worst case scenario you run someone over in a school yeah. Um. Things like that. So, it's, it's it's a huge amount of money, but it's it's not. They're not sort of trying to recoup all this money back. The insurance company will have a hundred thousand people, and then so many hundred pounds a week, and very very few claims. So the ten and five sounds daunting, but it's not. Uh, it doesn't have to be. It's not like where you private households you might be paying 100 pound or something a year for insurance i don't know so it's 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 big figures but it's not not something to worry about really this other things yes your rams have to be up to date and one of my bugbears on the sites that i see for long care legends professional gardeners and everything is people asking for rams off of the people yeah and there's no generic rams Basically, a site is totally different. You could have two commercial sites. One is a 
technical site and one is just a standard commercial site where you're yeah. cutting grass. You can't do the same rams. And and people asking, oh, can, can you just copy me these rams? If you if an insurance company comes out and you've made a mistake on them rams or you've missed something off, your insurance won't be out. It's you yeah. in court and it's you paying out. Rams are the most important things you'll do on a job. And I, I can't emphasize it as much. You have to get it right every time. Yeah. So if you have to pay a health and con- safety consultant £100 to do the rams for each job, unfortunately, you have to pay it. Mm-hmm. I'm lucky. I'm lucky that I have my dad who's a qualified health and safety officer who produces mine. But he needs to visit the sites individually or yeah. he'd made a video of the site and he needs to know everything about the site. So that's that's one of my bugbears about the sites where people will just say, Oh, I'll email you a copy and just just uh, your name on and that's it. You're good to go, you're not good to go. <laughs> yeah. But you won't know you're not good to go that accident happens you're in court without your insurance company there to pay you out yeah and the thing is about risk so my knowledge of risk assessments is i think very similar to jack you, you touch them everyone comes across them at one point or another in the military but we we generally have to you have a generic risk assessment or a specific risk assessment depending on the task or the location where you're doing whatever activity now that's obviously slightly different to offering it in your, you know, landscape and business, but uh, risk assessments have got a they've got like what Scott's saying here is that they've got to tick every box. So it's everything from PPE, it's hazards on the site, it's um, you know, are you fully up to date and competent while you're on that site to be doing them works? Is your machinery, you know, ticked off? Is everyone trained on the machinery that's getting used? It's it's literally everything isn't it it's every corner of the room needs to be sort of looked over and you need not only to identify the hazard that may be but also how you would uh what's the word of it um mitigate that hazard you know yeah of the whole thing so i completely get what you're saying there i think when people tend to ask for rams it is can i see how you've done it so i can then change it to for my site but i think what you're saying here scott and please tell me if i'm wrong here is it's not just taking sam jaroki's 10 points and changing them into your 10 points it's taking you would have to take my 10 points and then if you've got another 20 to add you still need to add like no risk assessment would be complete on just the headings that are from someone else's is that kind of yeah what you're saying here yeah yeah pretty much i mean you're getting a generic risk assessment of somebody else. You're not a health and safety officer and you're not somebody who can find these. So you'll go to a grassed area and it's got a bank or it's got a couple of drain covers on the site. Um, without one of the site, look at that. You won't actually... So a health and safety man would assess that and say, right, you've got banks here that you don't want to be even going on there when it's wet. Mm-hmm. Um, or health and safety officer turns or walks the site and he realizes that one of the manhole covers just is just a bit loose and it falls in, yeah, from time to time. It's things like that, it's there's everything to explore on the sites. But like I say, people will fill it out because they, they see this job and they think, Oh, it's great, but 
I don't want to spend the £200 on Rams, things like that. And it, it, it can just cost you in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's definitely better having them sorted. So we've got the sort of the the ten and fives, the Rams. Is there anything that anything else that you see that is pretty essential for even guys to be reading up on? Anything like that when they're stepping into the commercial zone? Is there any sort of rules and regulations that should be okay with? Anything like that at all? A lot of it, a lot of other things is staff training and so for instance most people can use a streamer um but believe it or not there are actual courses for streaming um there's courses for on mowers and things you can do them through lantra and other people and you'll go to some customers sometimes and they'll say Where, where's your training records and if that training record says on the top in house so basically scott here has trained my guy how to use a streamer more grass cutter everything else mm-hmm. Doesn't quite, doesn't quite tick a lot of boxes on a lot of sites. They want to see that you've gone externally and these people are properly qualified. So investing in your staff, although it can cost a lot of money, it is something that you you do really need to do. But going forward with the sites, there's not there's not a huge amount of other things people will ask you for really. Okay, that's good to know. I think even just that as a as a starting zone of just what to get your head around because it's it's one thing that I definitely looked at when you know before I picked up my first commercial proper commercial one this year was right where do I start what, what is it that what's the difference between because it's not like a domestic where I know you've said in different videos that some ask you for next to nothing and they'll just bring you on site and and that will be it it's very like informal and then there's yeah. others that are you know, we want to see this, that, and the other. Um, but I think if you can start off worst case scenario, get your head around what people may ask about, you know, if it really comes down to it, then if they ask for anything less, then all the better, eh? I mean, you know, you, you at least you're then sorted and you're ready that if it is time, time sensitive, you've already got your contacts in place for who your health and safety guy is, or, you know, a set of rams that you've had before and you, you know, you just at least know what you're doing with it or your insurance is up to date or that your competency is up to date. I think it's um, it's just being prepared, really, isn't it? I think is what I'm getting at. I would, if I was, if I could offer anybody any advice in the commercial sector, and like you've just said, there's some sites where you go and they say, right, come and cut your grass for £90 a visit. And they say, yes, when can you start? I would say... I'm going to send you our rams. And it's getting into a habit, giving it to every customer, because if you go to that job and there's an accident or one of your staff are injured and the health and safety comes in, the first thing they're going to ask about is rams. Yeah. And it's easy enough to say, oh, well, customer didn't ask for them, so they weren't produced. That's a big no-no. So it's getting into the habit of every every job. Even if they haven't asked you for them, juice a sentence here. I'm going to email you the Rams over with the contract details just so that you've got them on file to cover yourself and myself. Okay. And that's, that's sort of something that I've just stuck by. That's a great little tip, that. So for those that are, I mean, I don't know what um, what deal you kind of have with your dad if it's a, a creator BRO, if you chuck him some money, but um, when it comes to getting Rams done and you're paying for them, 
would you wait until let's use that scenario there you've said 90 quid they're like yep snap your hand at it when can you start would you at that point be paying for the rams or before actually even going for the job when you first view the site is that the point where you'd be paying someone to do the rams this is the other tricky bit with commercial work if you see a tender out there sometimes they'll ask you to send the tender back with your insurance documents which is fine they'll also ask you to send the tender back with the rams now this is where i'll put a note on the bottom to explain that yes my insurance is enclosed my training records are enclosed as rams come at a cost for the business they will only be issued to the customer once we win the job okay that's basically you could be you could be spending 200 pound on 10 jobs the two thousand pound you might not get any of the job yeah and they can't turn you down for explanation because if you win the job you're quite happy to give them everything they want by the job yeah yeah absolutely and i mean for exactly that if you've won the job you don't mind forking out a couple of hundred said quid to yeah to, to have everything ticked in the box and every everything squeaky clean eh? so no i was i was interested about that because I didn't know if it was one of them that, you know, you've got to lose money before you make money type situations. But no, I'm glad you've said that. So as long as you put sort of a covering note. Yeah, it comes across as that. And that that's something else that will put a lot of people off because they'll say, I'm not spending this money because I might not win the contract. And that just put a lot of people off again. It's another point of, 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 of many points that people off stumbling blocks, really. Okay. That makes sense. So with these, obviously, we, we've touched on some of the good things about commercial work already and some of the, like, you, like you've said there, some of the things that put people off. But you've obviously got quite a, a long span in history with commercial work, with it being, you know, I don't know, what do you say, 99%, probably even more so of your business. What, in your experience, is the pros and cons with doing commercial grade work? Um, the co- the main con is payments, whether that be 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. Um, the pros, I would say you're building relationships with these customers a bit like you are with your private customers. So when you, when you work for Mrs. Jones, hopefully she'll have you till the day she dies or the day she moves. Yeah. You build a relationship with them. Um, commercial... A lot of people, I've seen on the sites, a lot of people say, oh, they'll just get someone else in for £10 cheaper. There are those customers there. But I have customers who I've had for 10 years plus who I've relationships with, and they're not the cheap customers. These are customers who want a good service. So it's just about building, building relationships is, is a key one. Yeah, the big thing that hits me with it, and you actually made a video about it where you were saying about some companies can go under and then, you know, you lose that sort of payday or there can be a bit nip and tuck. Whereas you I think it was um, the parish councils, you're saying like they won't go bust. So you've actually got a lot of job security within them, within them contracts. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, a council, a council can't go bust because they funded from government. So the worst that can happen is a council could be started of cash yeah and they have to rein in and they have to come to you and say look we we haven't to scale back our our spending here but 
long-term tenders I've got, nothing they can do about it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's sort of getting them three to five years. And once you've got them, that's it. You can, you can stick that in your little um, in your little income for the next five years, and you can plan off that and buy machinery off that and things. Yeah. And what, what do you find the payment term of, uh, usually is with things like the councils? Is that usually anything between the 30 and 90 days or does that fluctuate quite a bit? Councils are quite good now because uh, the central government's reined it in. They have, to be, they have to be nicer to people, which means they have to pay you faster. <laughs> right, so okay. they pay you between 14 and 28 days. Um, the good thing for me is a lot of my councils are on 14. Okay. So I know that on the seventh, there's a check going. There's a, there's a payment going in for X amount. On the ninth, there's another one going in. On the eleventh, there's another one going in. Nothing will alter that. Okay. That, that, that's fantastic, then, isn't it? I mean, I think, I think why a lot more, and I, I'm seeing a lot more people mention the commercial side that they want to dip the two in the commercial side, and I do wonder if it is basically. A feeling like they'll get a lot more consistency with the commercial work or whether it's uh, you know quote unquote here commercial money that it's that it's better you know if you're going to get paid more for doing commercial types of work in your experience of taking on commercial services is there a difference there or is a day's work basically a day's work if, if you get what I'm saying it's better money but some people in different parts of the country won't agree with with me. I, I've had this um, discussion with various people who say that they've tried commercial. But for me, it is better money. I've I've sort of built the business on it now. In an ideal world, I, I like private work. I like I like looking after plants. I like pruning. I like things like that in private gardens, and that's why I still have a few jobs I do, company directors, but couldn't build a I couldn't build the business I've got and have the amount of equipment I've got in the private sector. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. I mean, we've got roughly £285,000 worth of plant. Right. Um, I, I could have never imagined that if I was just doing Mrs. Jones's back garden. Yeah. It, well, and I think the truth of it is a lot of the time there wouldn't be any need for it. You know, no, for that. no, that's, that's the and other that's thing. That's thing, but... isn't it? As 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 you and probably everybody else has noticed, I, I, I'm not a businessman when it comes to equipment. I, I don't <laughs> buy things I need. I buy things I want. Yeah. I think I've mentioned that. I go into a shop for a spark plug and I come out with a 10, 10 grand first more and then I sit at home and think, what did I just do there? Yeah. And that's not just a one-off. That's every three months, unfortunately. But Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it made me laugh. I think it was on one of your earlier videos in the year. Uh... Was it earlier in the year or was it end of last year? I think you're picking up another hater, or you're actually no, you're ordering a quite a big machine, and I think you're saying that there used to be this phase where you get you know kind of like a kid at Christmas where you get really excited about a new bit of kit coming, and you're like, but when it's your thirty something number lawnmower <laughs> that's coming in, you're kind of just getting used to it. Um, yeah, yeah. What what is a shame the way like I mean I've even noticed that at my level that. You know, when when I get in a bit of kit now, th- there's not always that that excitement or that itch to to get it used straight away that I did have. You know, eighteen months ago, even twenty four months ago, it's I think it's for, forever evolving. Um, 
but it, it shows you, your your mind changing as well, doesn't it? How how you look at the stuff that you're getting in that maybe that's your that's you welcoming it in as a business asset more than just oh look it's a new toy to kind of play with. I mean, for for those that haven't been on your YouTube channel that we'll talk about some at the end. It you know you've got some big machines coming in. Is it like the ransom? Is it the Parkway that you have? Yeah, well, well, that was another story with trading the Parkway, and I think I, I mentioned um, how that uh, didn't go to plan when I was looking at a new Parkway. But just as a rough guide to people, a new Parkway is fifty k now, fifty thousand yeah. pounds for a lawnmower. Now you've got to cut a lot of grass to get fifty thousand pounds back. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and you're you're quite keen on the on the side of you like to replace every few years, don't you? You don't like your machines getting too old. Um, no, no, definitely not. I, I like I like everything to be a few years old, and then if you hit a lean spell, it means that all your gear's new, so you don't have to spend anything during that lean spell. Yeah, I, I mean, think... I've been constantly invested. I mean, for the first three years. Uh, everything. I was working ninety hours a week, and I was making two hundred pound a week. Wow. I was bringing into the house. Everything else was going back into the business. So that gives you a rough idea. I had an understanding wife who basically we didn't. We we lived poorly. I'll, I'll admit it. We we lived on next to nothing. Mm-hmm. We paid the bills, and and we didn't splash out. We didn't live lavishly. Yeah. Um, and that's that's how it was with with the money, but. By investing back in the business, I've got what I've got today now. Well, I think that's it, isn't it? When when you're building a business, it isn't as easy to kind of have your dream and then have the rewards of it straight away. You know, there is this sort of grey area where you've got to take a sacrifice somewhere, and you know you can't you you can't bring in fifty k a year within your first year and be reinvesting, you know, all your money into new equipment. It, it just doesn't, or often anyways, work that way. You need to prioritise one thing over the next. But, I mean, you stand by that, though, don't you? you? You stand by that that's what's helped you get to where you are today. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It's, it's, it's the only, it was the only way. If you're getting, if you're just setting up a business and you're getting £800 in one week and you think, oh, right, but insurance and a bit of fuel to pay but i'm going to spend the rest and i'm not going to invest in a new more i'm going to put on with this thing that i've got that doesn't work all the time then probably be still with one van and a more and a couple of clients yeah and is, is that something that you think you'll you'll always do or you plan on <laughs> on settling the habit a little bit and you know and at some point going i'm happy with what i've got to an extent and you know, stripping back on how much you push into the business, and bring well, more into your own life, or how do you see that going? I'm quite lucky now. I mean, I, I didn't when I set up the business. I didn't en- envisage, like I say, having the, the equipment I've got. I think it was a couple of years ago. I think my, my dad made a comment, and, and I'd never actually looked at it before. And he said, you, "You've done really well." And I went down the unit the next morning and I just sat and I was just looking around thinking, wow, you you don't pick it in. You just constantly buy and you're constantly working and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just it was just when you sit sometimes, I think we need to reflect and look kind of where we came from. 
Well, I think it's a huge part of it, isn't it? And, yeah. you know, being able to take that, you know, whether it's literally five minutes and go and, you know, look at where I am because, you know, the person, whether it was 10 years ago, one year ago, or a month ago, when you are worrying about something or stressing whether something was going to work out, if you take them five minutes and you, you, you take a little look around or you look at your books or you look at your client list, it's yeah. something that it, it only may take that to go, you know, it's a pat on the back of sorts of going, look, you're doing all right, mate. You know, yeah. whatever I you're mean, doing, keep cracking on, like, you know. Hard, hard work is off. I mean, it, it isn't always. Some people just have bad luck in business. Mm-hmm. But I've gone from, like I say, working working 90 hours a week and investing in the business and having a mortgage and having an old car and having sort of a old van at the start to mortgage free i'm investing heavily in pensions for the future because it's all tax-free putting it through the business okay um new car every couple of years um so it's it's paying for itself now it's i'm seeing the benefits but seeing the benefits of roller coasters that i've been on it would almost be enough to probably scare a lot of people off as well eh yeah i mean yeah. Uh, wouldn't like to think of the amount of times that I've sat down broken and, and you talk about mental health and things and you don't always show everything, you don't always show our true colours on the internet and things but yeah, I've, I've been broken numerous times but I've just got back up and um, just having to get up and go and just going again, yeah Absolutely, right we'll take another quick break here and then we'll be back in just a couple of minutes Hi everyone I hope you're enjoying this week's episode. If you are, please share it on social media or with someone you think may benefit from hearing this podcast. Equally as important, you can review this episode on iTunes or Spotify by searching the podcast and clicking on the rating and rating it yourself. All these things are a massive help to the podcast. Thank you very much in advance and I hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. Right, welcome back. So one thing that you just said there, Scott, is that you know, you've been broken numerous times and there was one video that you'd done at the back end of last year you, when you were in the van, you were like just saying that you're you're sick of all the plover with, uh, with your employees and how much stress that brings to the business. And on one of your videos, you spoke about that you are, you're almost a hairline crack away from just going, you know, frigate. And just downscaling to yourself in a van and going back to like taking on smaller grade, leaving yourself enough enough work for yourself and just plodding on that way. And when I seen you record that video last year, um, you know, it jumped in my head. I thought, bloody hell, like this is the first time I've seen it where, you know, you've showed all the great 30, 40 grand pieces of equipment. You've talked about having all these commercial contracts and what I would call the success you know, and many people, and probably the pinnacle of what many people are probably aiming for that you've achieved. So, like, massive well done on on how where you've taken your company to. Um, but one thing I thought about when I watched that video was, what is the price of, of success, and is it the fact that it comes with all these downfalls, being like them very hard days where you think, is this even worth it? How close were you at that point of going to literally just closing the doors and massively downscaling? 
Yeah, thanks for that, Sam. Um, the last one, there's been numerous times, but the last one I, I was very close because a few things had happened over the last month. I'd been sat at, if you imagine a council, they, they have a lot of buildings, they have a lot of premises, and cameras are nowadays. Mm. And I was sat in a council meeting once and I watched one of my guys sat with his feet up outside a building for the duration of the meeting. And the same, the guy who pays my wages was watching the same screen. And after the meeting, when I approached my guy, he said he'd been sat for 10 minutes. So... (laughs) He blatantly denied it, and this this wasn't a one-off. This you're you're in the public eye with commercial work, especially with councils, and you're working for members of the public. And the amount of times people told me, um, "Oh, one of you guys has been sat up there for two hours," and then they deny it, and so they call someone a bit liar, um, and then you come down to the other things of the equipment. Um, and various various guys on the sites have touched on things how you can break things that can't be broken. Yeah. Or I had a guy once who hit a car on a site and decided to come back to the unit with the machine. Never mentioned it, and that puts you in a bad state with the site when they ring up and they show you a video of them actually inspecting the damage, but <laughs> not telling you anything. <laughs> so. That was that's that's some of the some of the things you have to do in business and some of the annoying things in business or the time it takes someone who tells you they're stuck in traffic getting from one site to the other and then find out of somebody else that was sat in McDonald's because they were sat on someone who you know has been sat on the next table for them for half an hour, but oh, they wow. tell you they're stuck in traffic. So the list's endless and you just can't trust people. And that's why trackers and everything else are, are so good for business. But from from an early point of view of, of sacrifices, um, I would say when you're working 90 hours a week and you've got a young family, you're, you're never at home because you're walking in the dark nine o'clock at night and going to bed and your children are in bed. Um, that's the that's the hard thing. Yeah. And a lot of people a lot of people wouldn't put business before family and in one sense I was selfish but in another sense I was trying to provide and there's a fine line between the two um, and I chose one thing. I think it's it's hard that part isn't it because you know I mean, and I mean it was it was different many moons ago I mean for example my, my father often tells me that you know, he's had, what, four kids, and I'm the youngest of the four. He said he never pushed a single pram until I was born. And, yeah. you know, the other three, it just wasn't a thing that a man just didn't at one point in that time. You know, he was born in 1950, my dad. He says at one point, it's just not something you would have seen, or men just didn't do this. But we're very much in a in a time where that just isn't really a thing anymore, like, the man is there doing everything that the woman would do. Like it's, it's neither here nor there. And I think it's very hard. It's a very hard thing like to get right with, with family and stuff. As you mentioned there, it's, it's such a thin line of 
where you're trying to push your business and you're not doing it just for yourself and for your business. You're doing it with your family in the back of your mind thinking, this is why I'm doing it all so that you can have a good life. And so all your, and this might be different. I'm not speaking for everyone here, but this is personal opinion. You know, for me, I, when I think about driving the company, the reason behind that is, you know, to, to aid my family, that my family's got a roof over the head and yeah. they can, you know, they'll have what they want when they grow up, when they get older or they need to go on that school trip, they can go. You know, things that I wasn't able to do as a kid because of lack of money. And, but it, it's very hard to get that right on which way, um, which decision that you make, you know, how that plays out. It's, I do think it's super hard. Is that something that you've ever looked back on? And I'm not going to ask you if you regret it, but do you see the benefits of that now? Do you see that? it's going to open up um, a better life or has opened up a, a better life for, for you as a family um, through putting in all them sacrifices? Yeah, I mean, as, as I've just said, um, being driven and having a goal ahead, um, but being very selfish. But looking back, um, like you say, with, with my first child, not seeing as much of him and not having a bond that, my wife had because she always had she always had my first child whereas I wasn't around mm-hmm. so there is a lot of regrets there's a lot of strain on relationships and family um so yeah there's a there's a lot of that that would I do it again I don't know I would probably have to sit and think about that hard if I knew what I knew now mm-hmm. but then the end product now um all these years on is yeah we live we live comfortably yeah which we wouldn't live if I was just in a in another job or working for a local council or something. Yeah, no, absolutely. So that brings me to my next question here, which is, what is success to you? Like I, I said it quite plainly earlier on, Scott, that I think you're where you're at now with every, or probably where you've been for a good amount of time, is probably the pinnacle that people may look at and go, you know, if I can get it to there, then that is success, you know, within life of business and working um what is success to you though is there still like another level to this or does success mean something completely different to yourself um i would say that just just the way i've mapped everything out now that i'm happy the way it's going i've got a workload ahead of me for three to five years with contracts um i've got stability financially and everything the, the the one thing that can scupper everything is ill health mm-hmm. so as i've mentioned in the past i used to run marathons and things i don't get time to do stuff like that now i do a little bit of running to keep fit but ill health can scupper any business but yeah at the moment as we stand today everything is on track with the business to to be successful for many years forward that could mean that in 10 years time i'm just working on my own with a few commercial sites, just bringing in a small amount of money. Mm-hmm. No, that's awesome. I think um, when when you look at it and where anyone, the way anyone may look at it is that it could be slightly different for absolutely from one person to the next. And to even be in a point where you can say that, that you know that you could rein it down a little bit and still be happy, I think kind of shows how much you've put into the business to have it lined up. Because it's not just a a one decision game, you know. What I'm finding out more and more as it goes on is that 
there's always another obstacle. There's always something else to get past. And there's always another decision to be made. And there's always another, you know, cross cross junction. And you just need to keep on kind of plodding through that and keep on refining, refinding your way. And it just, yeah, it seems mega that you're at a point where everything that you've learned and that you've kind of talked about on this podcast from that very first contract to now is kind of mapped that out for you. Um, for everything that you have learned and everything that you've taken forward, one thing to give to the listeners here, primarily for them, is what would be the best bit of advice you could give them? Let's say somewhere under five years in the game and they're looking to move into a, a business plan that's kind of like yours, you know, mainly commercial um, commercial de- derived work. What would be your best bit of advice? I would say if you're not driven and you you don't put the hours in, then you may as well not play because you've just got to hit it so hard. You've just got to just forget about everything else. So it is being very selfish. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can you can. I, I, I mean, Jack's Jack's much like me when I've watched his uh, videos. He's out at five o'clock in the morning. He's out till late on the night, and he's building a business and he's building equipment. But it's the only way. Yeah, especially them them early. I say early days, especially when you're in small teams or just yourself. That there isn't any anyone else you know and what you speak about like ill health can cripple a business though i mentioned off off um offline to scott in the very beginning you know i've been cured with with tonsillitis the last two days and i tell you what i haven't been wanting to move from that sofa for the last 48 hours and um anything like that can really kind of move you in a different direction if you let it uh i think it shows that especially in the beginning there's so much riding on you being uh just you the person you're the you're the guy that checks the equipment over at night you're the person that submits all the invoices you're the person that you know makes sure that all the equipment's serviceable and good to go there's just so many hats that you need to wear i think it would be fair to say to be able to make it work isn't it like i think um there's there's no two ways you can be with it if you're not driven forward and passionate about what you want to do, then then you're starting yourself to fail, possibly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not all about going out uh, seven till five to do the work, because once the work's completed, you've got to come in the house, you've got to do an invoice, and then you might have a, another tender to send, which takes your night up, and you say you might have to ring around for insurance or something else or servicing. So, yeah, it is. It's not just the going out to do the job. It's the wearing the other nine hats, like you say. Mm-hmm. absolutely right well Scott thank there's so much more I think we could jump into it and everything that you've said I feel like we could dive into so much more but I think it would be far too much content for one episode so um, I've spoken in the past about like a panel and um, I've spoken about getting several people on so that there's maybe three or four of us on the podcast that we could hopefully do um, subject specific podcasts so yeah, I'd love yeah. to I would love to have you back in the future for an episode that sort of looks that way. But for now, before we end this podcast, could you please tell anyone that's listening now how they may be able to find you and follow sort of your advice and your content online? Well, the main one is got Elwood Gardening on YouTube, and then I do post on um, Twitter at 
sorry, on Twitter and Facebook under SE Landscaping. Um, that's the that's the three things. I don't do Instagram yet. It's something that I may need to get into, but that's the three forms at the moment. Perfect. And for anyone that's uh, wondering there, I will be putting all of them links that Scott's just mentioned there in the description notes at the bottom. So at the end of the podcast, if you just swipe all the way down to the bottom, you'll see the show notes and all the links to Scott's relevant pages will be on there. Scott, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast. It's been much appreciated. Been a pleasure, Sam. What you're doing with the podcast is great. I've really enjoyed listening to some of the some of the past people on it. You can learn so much from other people. Absolutely, and uh, no, thank you very much for jumping on. Like I say, hopefully when we get some more of these panel panel sessions done, um, they're very early days at the moment, but hopefully I will be reaching out to a lot of you again and sort of getting something that we all think we could add to an episode or to a topic, and yeah, yeah. sort out the logistics of it. You know, we can have you know, a few really good sessions of providing some really good content with it. Sounds good. Happy days. So everyone, thank you very much for joining on this week's podcast. It is very much appreciated. Again, week after week, you're tuning in. It all makes all the difference in us going forward. And people like Scott saying that he was more than happy to jump on. That's because, you know, he knows that people are sort of tapping in and finding out more information and wanting to know more so if any is out there think that you can provide a bit of thought or a bit of you know information on your business how you run things please feel free to get in touch but just again a massive thank you to scott on this week's episode as i said we're going to put all of his links in the show notes at the bottom so please just swipe through and find them there it is massively appreciated once again so take care in this week's episode and we'll see you again next week bye bye